Do you see a pattern? I see one. Is a pattern really there? Can you make money out of it? Or are you imagining it? So this is CJ Baker, and this is episode eight of the ongoing history of protest music, the companion podcast to the website, the ongoing history of protestsongs.com. So today we got a special guest, Matt Ward. He's an Australian musician and journalist. So thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks very much for having me on. And uh, thanks for doing your website that you obviously put a ton of work into. And thank you for putting my music on one of your Spotify playlists, which tripled my followers last month with all the interest in protest music around the Black Lives Matter protests. Yeah, no worries. I definitely am a fan of your music, and we're definitely going to talk about that throughout the course of the podcast. So, of course, you're in Australia. I'm in Canada, and we're doing this through Zoom. So we're definitely social distancing. Yeah. Uh, so how are you making out with the pandemic? Uh, it, it's not affected me too much, um, personally, thankfully. Um, I don't really have a social life because I work early shifts, um, so I have to go to bed by like 9 p.m. or something. So I spend I spend all my downtime right making music anyway and oh. writing. So yeah, yes, you're not affected as much. I know of myself. I tend to be an introvert, so being asked to yeah. stay inside isn't a bad thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. It. So. As we mentioned, you're a musician who describes their music as future drum and bass. Um, how did you get started in making music? Um, oh, like um, about four, four years ago, um, my son was uh, like my six-year-old son was messing around on an iPad, my wife's iPad, on GarageBand, and. Um, what he was doing sounded like freeform jazz kind of thing. And I thought, wow, <laughs> if, it's that, if it's that easy to make music that a six-year-old can do it, then I'll have a go. And then I was just totally hooked. Okay. And, we, and yeah, within a very short time, I put out EPs and albums and so on. Yeah. Yeah, because I know you have a few different albums that you released. And your most released recent album is entitled Filter Bubble. So what was the concept behind that album? Concept behind that album, Filter Bubble, um, was um, I've I've been like a journalist since I was 15 when I did um, uh, work experience at school as a journalist and and have worked as a journalist ever since. And I've always been frustrated um, with the coverage of mainstream media. Around 10 years ago, I started doing voluntary work for the non-corporate media on top of my usual day job. And um, so it was, it was looking at the contrast between um, how mainstream or corporate media reports the news and non-corporate media reports the news. Um, so it was riffing on those themes of, um, of uh, everything's a filter bubble. Hang on a minute. Filter bubbles before social media. 
every single newspaper is a filter bubble. You tortoise. You know, uh, a lot of people in mainstream or corporate journalism moan about social media being a filter bubble, whereas I always think when they say something like that, I always think, well, every single newspaper is a filter bubble. Um, so it was, it was, the whole album is a concept album about the media, yeah. Yeah, and definitely relevant, because that's not unique to Australia, because we get that here in Canada and the States and just about every country. Yeah. yeah propaganda is prevalent. That's right. And one of the songs that stood out on that album, and this is the one that I featured on that playlist that you referred to of 2020 protest songs, They Never See Us as Teachers, which is a collaboration with Big Naz and MC Monk. What was the concept behind that track? Yeah, the concept behind that track is um, the coverage of Aboriginal people in the media. Um, I got into protest music um, through, like when I was 13, I went down into the basement of my um, family home after a party and found a, a cassette tape in the in in the tape in a ghetto blaster, put it on, and this crazy music came out of it. That was like a violent explosion of color, and um, that that band was um, the Cult, okay. and uh, their singer is actually from England, but um, he uh, his family moved to Canada when he was young and in Hamilton, Ontario. And uh, he was seen as an outsider being a near the English kid. So he naturally started hanging around with the other outsiders, including the local indigenous kids. He went and visited the six nations of the Grand River Reserve and felt this infinite, uh, and felt this instant, instant affinity for the indigenous people. And um, he reflects that in all his lyrics and so on, uh, the cult singer. So I became educated about the indigenous issues through, through my obsession with that band, The Cult. Um, when I moved to Australia, I'd, I've always listened to music from all over the world and radio shows from all over the world. And I've discovered all this Aboriginal hip hop, which no one was reporting on, no one was interviewing the artists. Um, and um, so I started interviewing them for the non-corporate media outlet that I was doing voluntary work for. And ended up with this collection of like 37 interviews, which I put into a book called um, Real Talk, Aboriginal Rappers Talk About Their Music and Country. And the main pioneer of uh, Aboriginal hip hop here in Australia is MC Monk, who's on the song that you're talking about. Um, He's the one that started it all um, back in the early 80s. 
Um, a real extraordinary character. He's also a record producer that's had number one hits in, in Southeast Asia. Um, uh, is a break dancer. He speaks several indigenous languages um, and a multi-instrumentalist. So I'd also interviewed a, an Aboriginal journalist in my course of doing the, the, the non-corporate media work who told me he had to leave um, Sydney's biggest paper, the Sydney Morning Herald, because of the way it reported on his people. And you always, you'll find this in Canada as well, I'm sure, is that Indigenous people are always reported on um, as a problem to be solved. Yeah. Um, they're never seen as teachers. They're always seen as people to be taught. So I just had this lyric in my head, they never see us as teachers. And they always see us as a problem. And I sent it to Monk and said, hey, do you fancy rapping on this? And too much to my surprise, he said, yeah, great. I'll do it straight away. And he got his bandmate, who's um, um, a Lebanese Australian, to rap on it as well, which brought it another dimension. Um, so, yeah, they did a great job on that. I think that's one of the reasons why the song did stand out to me because Canada's history with the indigenous population is pretty terrible as well. Yeah. And also some of my favorite artists, especially like within hip hop, like within Canada, all the, the Canadian indigenous artists, because they're able to address issues in a way that is more relevant because they basically, when you're dealing with opposition, it's easier to comment on it. Yeah, that's it. I think one of the comments in the book, in, in, in my book of interviews was that, you know, if you're born Aboriginal, you're born political. Um, and the, all these Indigenous hip hop artists, Aboriginal hip hop artists here in Australia had so much more to say than the white kids that are doing hip hop here. Yet they weren't getting any coverage in the media, you know which was a crime because the, the music was world-class and they have so much more to say and they're so much more interesting. Um, and there's a lot to be learned from them, you know? Yeah, that happens in Canada too. Like the, like my, basically one of my first two guests on the show was, uh, was a Canadian producer named David Strickland who comes from a yeah. background. And he mentioned that what tends to happen in Canada is you just get labeled as an indigenous artist. So you'll be featured on our Spotify and the Indigenous playlist at the Canadian Junos, which is our versions of the Grammy. You'll just get nominated in the Indigenous category. But it's unfortunate yeah. because those artists, their matches really transcends beyond that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's a danger in doing something like the book that I did and putting them in that box. Yeah. And uh, there's an artist called Birds who speaks in the book about that, you know. So um, it's something that we address in the book as well as being pigeonholed just as an indigenous artist and being not, not getting any coverage outside that, you know. David Strickland, I've been listening to his album just this week. His latest. His, oh, it's a really good because, album. Because of your show, yeah. Oh, okay, I'm glad I introduced that to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so we mentioned that album. Um, is there any new music you're working on right now? Yeah, I'm always like doing concept albums. <clears throat> so um, 
the latest one, I think the first one was about, the first one was about financial markets. The second one was about um, Apple, the company Apple, and was made entirely on an iPad. So it was like looking at all the slave labor and the tax dodging and so on. Um, that's available on, on iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> um, a bit of irony there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The third one was about Elon Musk and all the controversies surrounding him. And the, the fourth one was about surveillance. The fifth one was filter bubble, which we just mentioned about the media. This next one is all about um, humans becoming becoming an interplanetary species. You know, the the, the, the push to um, colonize Mars. Yeah, trying to. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's hugely controversial. Um, and it's also, I think, probably one of the biggest things happening in our lifetimes. Probably people are going to look back hundreds or thousands of years from now, look back at this point and say that was the point, if it happens, that humans became interplanetary, you know, living on multiple planets. Um, there's a whole lot of contro controversy in that, in the... Um, you know, it's been done by a private company, mainly SpaceX. Yeah. Um, there's not really a lot of oversight over it or what, what they're going to do on Mars. Um, it's not being treated as a a, a a national park. It's it's, you know, Elon Musk is talking about terraforming it, um, turning it, you know, building cities, yeah. and so on. Um, could it release? pandemics back on earth like we're seeing now could it release um could it kill wipe out um the indigenous um flora and fauna yeah uh, just as colonialism has done here on earth you know um so it's incredibly interesting um so i've done about um 17 songs that i'll probably whittle down to 12 that'll be out in january uh, next year um, and it's this genre that I'm trying to push which is like a, a blend of future bass and drum and bass called I'm calling it future drum and bass yeah um, so I'm trying to do something different with the music as well I think a lot of political music either just um, doesn't really concentrate too much on the musical side concentrates more on the lyric side but I'm trying to try and push a new genre trying to do something different with the music as well so um, hopefully that's an angle that can hook people in as a sort of fun thing. Yeah, and I think that concept could work with that. And it almost yeah. sounds sci-fi, but the scary thing is, is it's not really all that sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, so, that's it. So it's a, I think it's a good angle where you could use the colonization of space to even analyze issues that are going on here. So I think that's yeah. A, yeah. I've, tried, yeah, I've tried to sort of make a balance in the album of um, embracing the excitement around it as well, and the and yeah. the sort of um, romanticism and the adventure side of it as well, which um, I'm drawn into that as well. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. I do find it incredibly fascinating, all the engineering side and so on. Yeah, so, and even with socially conscious music, not everything has to be like explicitly political. Yeah, like yeah, there's a lot of different aspects to the human side of things. So yeah, but explore each I'm, aspect. I'm sure you'll find though, in, in just just as you seek out political music, um, yeah. 
we I do as well because I, I do yeah. a, like a music column. Um, it's you're usually drawn to the albums that are explicitly political. Yeah, a lot of the more subtle ones will pass you by, and for that reason, you know, my albums will probably I'd probably miss them myself if I <laughs> <laughs> if I was trawling for political music. So I'll, I'll do something more explicitly political in in the future. Yeah. But I think there's room for both because quite often albums can make strong statements like in a number of different directions. Because even yeah. those do it, and sometimes that's even something I grapple with. Like when I, for example, when I did my like best album list so far, there were some albums I was really into, but is this political enough? So you kind of have to analyze what's the statement they're trying to make. And Yeah, yeah. I mean, something like a band like the Manic Street Preachers, um, yeah. pretty pretty nuanced and 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 um, not um, how would you put it, not so brash in their statements. Yeah, you know you have to delve into the layers really to, and then you realise how powerful that is. Where it's it's something that might pass you by, you know. Yeah, and there is some artists just when you learn a bit of their circumstances in connection with the making of the music. Sure. So even if the music's not explicitly political, you find out the obstacles that will involve just being someone making music in that environment can sometimes be a political statement. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we talked a bit about your music. So who are some of the artists that have influenced you with your music? Oh, uh, well, I mentioned The Cult. Uh, we're a huge yeah. one. Uh, I have a bizarre obsession with The Cult. Um, <laughs> Uh, then some of the real obvious ones like Rancid. I love Rancid. Okay. Well, I, I do mean, like Rancid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, um, I was thinking today about a quote from Bruce Springsteen where he says, or one of, in his song No Surrender, he says, we learnt more from a three-minute record than we ever learnt in school. Yeah. And that's something that's um, always resonated with me that he said and I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Bruce Springsteen tragic that's me. <laughs> as well as loving you know I'm, I'm much like yourself I listen to everything um so um yeah he'd be a big one U.S. rapper Soul do you know Soul uh, S-O-L-E he's um, like an indie rapper I okay, love all I his stuff too well I think I've he's probably I'll have to check him out <laughs> He's probably one of the f very, very few rappers that raps about money in an intelligent way. Okay. Um, you know, there's a whole lot of rapping about money, but yeah, um, he, he, sort of, he, he raps about Ben Bernanke and, and, and the Federal Reserve and, okay. and, um, and you know, he's um, in, a, in a much more analytical manner. Um, yeah, but, you know, I mean, I listen to, as you probably do, a hell of a lot of obscure stuff. Um, yeah. and, that, and that's the real inspiring stuff to me. And that it, it makes you realize that pretty much everyone's having a go yeah. at it. And that's what made me um, make music myself, you know, is that I realized, one, everyone's having a go. And secondly, some of the best artists are the ones that aren't that, that proficient musically yeah um, that's throughout the history of music yeah yeah and and, yeah. and, and the real even if you look at punk rock in the 70s it's 
punk rock. They started a band and then learned how to play their instruments later. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Which is what the money. And even then, they just learned enough to get by. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. And, um, um, and and often the best musicians make the most boring music as well, you know. Yeah. So um, and and that's the beauty of computer music to me is that anyone can in, and just can have a go um, and get instant results, you know, even if they have no musical background. Yeah. Do, do you do you make music yourself? Um, not too much. I have like jammed with friends a bit, and but most of the yeah. stuff we put out was a number of years ago and was mostly done as a joke. <laughs> Yeah, well, you yeah. should get you should put back into it. Yeah, I probably should. Yeah, yeah. So the other thing we mentioned, like if you write and you write the monthly article for Green Laugh, so that's greenlaugh.org, and I know what you do every month. And this actually has introduced me to some music too. So um, you highlight ten albums that connect the current news events. So I kind of like that angle. Like instead of just commenting on the music or commenting on the news events, you kind of connect it to. Yeah, yeah, it's like a fun way, a fun way of catching up with the news of the past month. I hope. Yeah. Yeah, it's more to get, it's more to hook people into um, reading um, Green Left, the non-corporate um, yeah. news outlet that I do the voluntary work for. Yeah. So. I used to do loads of interviews and stuff, but that would only get like um, the people who like the band would, yeah. would, would read. With, but with doing the 10, it's often shared by the artists. So it's been shared by Tom Morello of um, Rage Against the Machine and, and Public Enemies, Chuck D and um, Al Jurgensen from Ministry and RuPaul and all these people. When they share it, it, it pulls people into the website. So, um, you know, it can get up to like 10,000 views just from someone like Al Jurgensen from Ministry sharing it. So um, it's a way to not only um, get people politically involved in a fun, fun way, but also get people reading the non-corporate media as well who wouldn't usually see it, you know. Yeah, that's a good way of doing it. And I do kind of like that because even with my own site, the whole idea of, music being a platform to comment on current events. So I think those making those connections is very interesting. Yeah. And I think there's also yeah. the fact that you generally focus on albums instead of songs. Yeah, yeah, I know, I'm, out, I'm outdated. Because <laughs> <laughs> kids these days supposedly only <laughs> listen to singles. So, so it's getting a bit harder to, to, to look out for or to troll for albums these days yeah. because you've got to troll through all the singles because people release singles. I mean, I've started doing it myself, just releasing yeah. singles. You've got to. But um, yeah, albums, I've always listened to albums. You, that Usually because I do it while I'm cycling or, you know, doing the shopping or whatever. Yeah. Know. So. Um, yeah, and I'm kind of the same way. Like there's something, because you have my own website, like I do highlight songs, but. I like to focus more on the albums. And with yeah. my best of list, I usually do a best of albums. Because I think yeah, yeah. as a whole, because I mean, it's great if an artist has like an album of 12 songs and one song, a protest song. It's still great that they're commenting on something. But when the entire body of work kind of connects to make meaningful statements, 
I think there's more power there. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, personally, I couldn't write an album that wasn't a concept album. I just yeah. can't, can't. I wouldn't be able to work that way. Yeah. It's, it's, got, it's all got to have a unifying theme to me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a fan of concept albums as well, so I appreciate that about your music. Yeah, thanks. Because I think even if the album's not a concept, it there should be for the album to work. There should be some kind of unifier. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think yeah, I when it, there is built around a concept, it's kind of the same as like for forty minutes or whatever the length of the album is. To me, it'd be no yeah. different than watching a TV show or movie or. Like you're yeah. kind of you're being told a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, having said that, um, one of my favourite artists is not political at all. A guy called Sam Holo, who, who just releases singles. Yeah. Um, you know, so I listen to everything and singles, albums, political, non-political. You know. Yeah. yeah it all has a place. That's right. Yeah, and even non-political music sometimes we need that escapism as well. So. Absolutely. Yeah, so it all plays a purpose. So, of course, we know we're kind of halfway through, I mean, halfway through the year, which has been a really crazy 2020. But we know many websites are publishing their best albums so far list. So what are some of the 2020 albums that have stood out for you? Wow. I'd have to look at the. I'd have to look at the list. Oh, you put me in the spot because I, I probably listen to, you know, I write about ten every month, but I probably yeah. listen to about twenty every month. Yeah. Um, so that would be 120 albums. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what are some. Um, oh man, um, I'd have to look at the website. <laughs> uh, what about you? What have What have some of your favourites? I know you've done a list of your favourites. Yeah, so, yeah, I have a list of 30. Um, but yeah, I was really into like the Wonder Jewel album. Partly because of just a Wonder Jewels, like RTJ4. Because Wonder Jewels, yeah. the new album, that's just one of the most relevant albums that ever came out. So it's yeah. just something, I guess, about the timing of the release that was just re-articulates what's going on right now. Um, we already talked about David Strickland, like that Spirit of Hip Hop album. I've been listening yeah. to a lot. Um, so that's been a favorite. It's not as explicitly political, but I really am into like the new Fiona Apple album. But probably, yeah, probably yeah. because it really works with the themes of isolation, of kind of like in the pandemic. But she also re really explores uh, the themes of speaking out too, like not being silenced and. So that album stood out. Um, but those are a few albums the bolt, that stood out. The Bolt Cutters, Fiona Apple's Bolt Cutters yeah. album. Yeah. I'll tell you what, now, now that I've had time to think, um, a great one this year was um, an Aboriginal rapper called Ziggy Ramo. Okay. On the morning of the Black Lives Matters protests here in Australia that the police tried to shut down, that were inspired by what's going on in, in, in Turtle Island in, in North America, yeah. um, he, re he released this surprise album that he'd actually um, made five years ago, but it was, he'd done it as a suicide note sort of thing, and oh, suicide is yeah. 
is a huge is a huge problem in Aboriginal communities here. So it it was a bit too close to um, for him emotionally um, to release it at the time. But he released it on the morning of the of the um, of the protests here in Australia um, as a surprise album. And um, that, that's, there's so many themes in that album about the Aboriginal experience here in Australia. And um, the final track is him talking for like 25 minutes in an interview. Uh, and he's really articulate and um, knowledgeable. Um, goes into how he's inspired by Shakespeare, of all things. Um, in his rapping and so on, but um, and he's got an amazing story as well, backstory that, that that will tell you a lot about Australia, and you can learn so much about this country from artists like him. So that that was a great one, Ziggy Ramos, Black Thoughts. It's called. Okay, I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, you can check it out on the list at, at greenleft.org.au. Okay. Um, yeah, it was in the and it was in the music column this month that I wrote. Yeah, Run the Jewels, as you mentioned, is, yeah. uh, is a, they always hit hard. Yeah, they're always topical. Yeah, and, and they, like you said, they always have been, but it's just something about the time and this time around. But that's something I noticed even in the month of June, because I do a monthly recap article as well. And usually in the past of a monthly recap, if someone releases a protest song or a socially conscious song or album. As long as I like it, I would usually feature it. But in June, there was a number of artists I couldn't feature just because there was so many of them. Yeah. So I've noticed that like, just with what's happening, there's a lot of artists that are feeling motivated to speak out on it. Yeah, yeah. And you, you've probably noticed yourself, like, uh, I mean, I've been doing that political music on for five years or something yeah. at first it was really hard to get 10 together yeah. and um, artists wouldn't speak out because they would be um, shunned by their record labels if they sh- if they spoke out like, like like the Dixie Chicks or the Chicks yeah as they're now yeah uh, were, ostr- were ostracized but with the election of Trump suddenly it became okay to speak out against the president you know, even in the even in the corporate media, and you know, they started doing their job properly, which was to criticize the president. You know, yeah. to look at to look at him in a more in a more critical light. Um, so, so that so really, protest music really exploded with the um, with the election of of Trump, and in the past month, as you just said, with Black Lives Matter, yeah. it's um, it's really come to the fore. Yeah. Yeah, and I think what's happened in the last month too is you always had the underground artists, but I think there's a few more, even mainstream artists speaking out a bit more too. Yeah. You kind of get the com- combination of both. You can also detect that some have been told to <laughs> get political. Yeah. You know, some might have yeah. ulterior motives. That could always be a. Yeah, yeah. You can see it with some yeah. artists that. That claim to be political that yeah. then, well, sometimes it's that, cause of the moment then yeah yeah good so i enjoyed our discussion yeah so before so, we conclude is there anything you want to plug or any concluding statements you want to make yeah i wanted to ask you about you because um, okay <laughs> I, I love finding out people's backstories and so on so i wanted to ask you 
you know, who, where you grew up, where you grew up, and who your parents were, and how you got into protest music. Yeah, basically, I was born in Canada, so just like outside of like the Toronto area. Um, I've always been attracted to music, so a lot of that had to deal with. Like my teenage years were a little bit difficult. Um, like even growing up, because I was born for like a speech impediment and I spent a number of years in special ed because I learned disability. Um, so I was buried a lot. So a lot of times I was attracted to music that articulated that. So not all that was political. Some of it was just music that dealt with feelings of depression and anger. And so the music was always an outlet. But then as I got a little bit older and more socially aware, I was also attracted to music that had a strong social message as well yeah that's amazing you you should put that on your on your about section on your website i think yeah and so you 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 mentioned that you were a musician as well um i mean not really i can't really play anything um i tried taking guitar lessons a couple of times um never did well with chords um the last couple of times I recorded stuff with friends, I usually just kind of sang off key and they kind of played. Yeah, great. Like I said, some of that was just kind of met as a joke and having fun with it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, the Happy Mondays built a whole career out of singing out yeah. of tune. And sometimes that <laughs> works. <laughs> yeah. Or you have like I the outside artists that do well. And... Yeah, absolutely. My dad, I don't I like to see it as an outside artist because I'm probably too aware of the fact that. <laughs> Right. I've awareness of my lack of talent. <laughs> but there's been artists that have made their disabilities, like Ian Jory and the Blockheads, and um, yeah. the guy from Crass. Uh, he has a song about um, his disability being a strength and so on, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it can be a, or as Greta Thunberg says, it's, it's her superpower, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely can be. Yeah. You should pick up a com computer. It's easier than playing the guitar. Okay, maybe I should do that. Yeah. Well, uh, start doing that again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. So I definitely enjoyed our discussion. And so, anything else you want to plug before we go? Or? Yeah. Thanks very much for having me on. If if anyone wants to check out um, my music, they can do it at mattward.bandcamp.com. That's M-A-T. W-A-R-D, Matt with one T. Uh, or they can check out my writing at greenleft.org.au. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm on all the platforms, Spot the Evil, Spotify, um, iTunes, Apple Music, blah, blah. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no worries. So they can find you everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks again. Also, if they want to check out the book on Aboriginal hip hop, just go on Facebook and look for Real Talk. Aboriginal rappers talk about their music and country, and you can read that for free online. Uh, and it's only 99 cents on Amazon, which is the cheapest price I can make it available for on there. I think I'm definitely going to need to check that out. Yeah. yeah. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks again. So once again, we'd like to thank Matt Ward. So this concludes the episode eight of the ongoing history of protest music. So any feedback, 
for the podcast or website can be left at the comment section of ongoinghistoryofprotestsongs.com or it could be left at the website's Twitter account at Tunes of Protest. Yeah, to end the show, we're going to play the song Behind Enemy Lines by Provocals and featuring Ancestress. It appears off of Provocals 2019 EP G-O-D. So this song is the first production credit for Matt Ward, and Matt Ward produced the entire EP and the song did receive worldwide radio. Also, Provocals is one of the artists that Matt Ward interviewed for his book that we discussed, Real Talk, Aboriginal Rappers Talk About Their Music and Country. So definitely encourage you to check that out. So once again, thanks for listening, and please stay safe. Kept in solitary confinement for 23 and a half hours a day for 15 days straight. He's lost all sense of time and he's deeply distressed. The boy's been asking the guards repeatedly for weeks why he's being kept in solitary confinement and when he's going to be released from his dark, hot, stinking cell. A royal commission, but his royal's commission, the evasion, the genocide, the conditions that we prisoners of war. The system at its core is a child on the floor, getting kicked in the jaw. Stripped the culture, saw that black cockatoo flying over the yard, as freedom he never knew. Buried in their walls with sadistic screws, and couldn't give two fucks, so they torture and abuse. Rehabilitation of a future that's sacred never happens in a locker, but that shit breeze. Hatred gotta fight to survive. That could have been me, young cunt. Life on these streets is the product of them hard times. Honest, we tried. Did our parents even want us empty pockets? So I'm out to make a profit, carry tools for protection, and ain't talking about a soccer. On the other side of the reinforced door, a group of prison officers is at the ready. The officers on duty tonight are heard laughing at the boys' anguish. The most innocent of lives in a cold dark cell, they're forgotten Like they're in another realm, get them welcome into hell While you're deviled in a uniform Failed life's always out to fucking ruin yours What's the cause and effect, there's no rest for us all War of attrition, only listen when we're forced Bound and gag, so you know it's fucking war Thrown in the paddy by your bigger overlords That were put on bloodshed, the deaf congregation Of this ugly nation, another black death and the government of racists all we got is us feeling trapped and evaded Deep in them cages and ain't even got a plan Right here on my land as I raise my hand Bed sheet gripped tight round my neck as I cry Cause ending my own life's only way I will survive The image you've just seen isn't from Guantanamo Bay or Abu Ghraib But Australia in 2015 Boy, hooded, shackled, strapped to a chair And left alone It is barbaric Expect from an illegitimate government The colonial context will never
Send us crazy. The oppressions fill us faces. Transgenerationally through our ancestry. And it's never gonna stop the scene. I guess you can't even have proper dreams. A world without a child screams. Without the violence and torture. For your sons and daughters. Maybe there's something in the water. I think it's all the bloodshed and slaughter that your people torture. But hey, maybe it's time to just reflect on the concept and stop all the nonsense. Be honest about your hand in the torment. Unlock the cage, cause nothing's gonna change till we get our land back again Maybe then we can be friends when the pain 